Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Accept that you don't know everything and put your, you know, check your ego at the door and be willing to be challenged. When a civilian enters any branch of the military, they go through a period of basic military training that's designed to change the way they think and act to turn them into a soldier, sailor, marine, airman, or coast guardsman. This is seen as an important time in the individual's life, critical for the proper transition from being someone not in the military to part of one of the greatest fighting forces on the planet. After a period of time in the military, however, there's little done in any branch of the service to help that service member transition their mindset to life as a veteran. As we often say here in the Change Your POV podcast network, after one leaves the military, they're never going to be a civilian again. And they're no longer a service member. They're this entirely different third thing, a veteran, with all the experiences, knowledge, strengths, and challenges that go along with that word. One of the most overlooked aspects of transition is a service member's mental health and wellness. If the veteran has their heart, mind, body, and spirit in the right place, and has a support network of family and friends to rely upon, then they're most likely going to have a successful transition. Those things are not in place. Things can get challenging. I'm your host, Dwayne France, and I'm going to take you through a veteran mental health boot camp to give you some advanced training for your brain. These episodes will cover the many different aspects of veteran mental health that I, as both a combat veteran and a clinical mental health counselor, see, experience, and support veterans with daily. I'm going to be joined by both veterans and mental health professionals talking about what you need to know about the stigma against seeking support, the different areas we need to understand, and provide some resources for when you think you might need them. Get up in the morning and out of the rack, because this is some information that could very well save your life. Welcome to Veteran Mental Health Boot Camp. Hey folks, welcome back to Headspace and Timing. Uh, as always, we always appreciate the opportunity to spend time with you and, and take some time in learning a little bit more about veteran mental health. Uh, as you know, we are... Uh, knee deep, um, nearly uh, probably neck deep in this series of looking at veteran mental health and the different aspects of mental health. 
when it comes to veterans. And uh, as you know, I've been uh, bringing on um, other clinicians. Uh, Occasionally, I've brought on a couple other veterans, uh, mental health professionals that have addressed some of these certain aspects. And uh, way back in uh, episode uh, 25, um, where we talked about the overall conceptualization, uh, this is the second to last um, area that I've seen as a mental health professional that we're going to talk about. Uh, then, uh, then as I looked around and I was looking for mental health professionals that are addressing this particular concept and how veterans need to learn how to meet their needs uh, after the military, and, and this is part of transition that I've seen a lot of veterans struggle with, I've not really seen this um, discussed in the mental health field. Uh, I've not been able to find any research specifically on how, uh, from my viewpoint, how Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, meets uh, veterans' needs. Uh, and so I, uh, I fell back on a, a trusty colleague um, who has seen a lot of needs and, and helped a lot of veterans in transition uh, to, uh, to meet those needs and, and even developed a, a little bit of a theory on his own. So uh, I want to welcome to uh, this episode uh, the co-creator or... Um, I don't know, Poobah? What is your, what is your, you know, is there <laughs> some grand. kind of grand, grand Poobah? Um, grand Poobah, yeah. What was the Fred Flintstone one? Uh, the, uh, the, the Royal Order that I see Bennett with the, the Grand Poobah hat. You, not so much. No, I got the, I got the club and the, uh, <laughs> So, uh, and, and, and this is going to be a little bit of departure. Maybe this is going to be a bit of a uh, breath of fresh air after we've been dealing with the, the, the heavy topics. Uh, yesterday we talked about moral injury uh, with Dr. Joseph Courier. We've been talking about, so, and this is some important stuff too. But as you know, uh, this is uh, my, my co-host on the Changer POV Podcast Network, Eddie Lazary. So, Eddie, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's about time I get to, uh, a, a cameo appearance on your show. I was going to say, Bennett <laughs> and I, and Jeff and I, and, uh, and and so yeah, this is the first time that you have been on the show. Um, so welcome. But as much as, as that's important, I wanted to bring you on to talk about how veterans needs, um, how we need to change the way we meet our needs uh, when we leave the service versus uh, how we met our needs when we were in the service. Sure. Maybe starting off there, did you see a a difference when you left the military um, between how either how you met your needs or what needs were met when you're in the service versus when you got out? Oh, absolutely. And I think I think you said it best. I don't know if it was a, one of your blog posts that you that you wrote or if it was just something you that you said on one of our Facebook groups. At this point, it's hard to tell where all this information comes. I know I know you said it. I just don't know where. But you said something like, it, "When you jump out of a plane in the fog, uh, you may not be able to see, but you still have to land, <laughs> right?" Yeah. And, uh, and and when I got out of the military, that's exactly what it was. I jumped out of a plane into the fog. And uh, all I knew was gravity was going to do its thing, but I had no idea where I was going to land. And uh, I I got out with you know this is back in 2005. Uh, this was before the you know taps was really a thing. Um, this was before we really started to see a huge trend with unsuccessful veterans transitioning out of the military, uh, both. Um, non-commissioned officers as well as officers across all branches. 
Um, and, and, I, and I think the military has gone a long way in, in addressing a lot of those things, but I still think there's um, a, a much further distance that we still need to travel. But for me personally, you know, I, I, got a, I gra- barely graduated high school, joined the military uh, in 96, and at the time I was married and had a one-year-old son. So it wasn't like a, you know, a young, a single private. I was, uh, I was young, but I was married and had obligations. I had a, had a, had a son that I had to look after. And so I was the, the primary uh, sole breadwinner for the family. And that's how I joined the military. So I had to do a lot of growing up very, very fast. And what's nice about the military is, um, you, you're, you're daily living in an environment of, of coaching and mentorship and correction, uh, whether it be through blunt force trauma or through mindless repetition, you're going to learn what you need to learn uh, because your NCOs are going to make sure that you do. And I learned very quickly that uh, I, I had to figure out what right looked like uh, so I can stop being a target for the NCOs. And then that quickly turned into, oh, well, now that I figured that out, uh, I'm, I see a potential uh, for for advancement and promotion if I continue down this path. And so it was very much of a, a carrot in a stick kind of approach for me. And I was motivated very much by the carrot and I really very much disliked the stick and uh, advanced very rapidly through um, through the ranks. And um, and then I finished out my my 10th year as a as a staff sergeant in in Baghdad, Iraq, in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom too, in a and I was combat arms MOS uh, to boot on, on top of all of it all. So I get out of the military and I've got you know really no higher education, I've got no real outside the military adult uh, experience, and I get out of the military. I'm, you know my you know my son at this point is ten, my daughter's you know three or four range. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do for a job. I don't really have any, um, what I, what I thought at the time is, is, uh, transferable skills or marketable, uh, skill set. And, uh, so I, you know, my, my father helps me start my own landscaping business and, and it was fine. It w- went, went great for a while. I, I know how to cut grass. So I learned, you know, I'm a quick learner. Um, so I was able to do the physical part of things, but when it came to the actual business side of things, you know, going home at the end of the day and doing things like payroll and workers' compensation and estimates and requests for proposals, like I, I knew nothing about any of that, completely out of my wheelhouse. I did not have the business acumen necessary to sustain a business. Uh, and and then, of course, the economy crash of, of 2008, 2009 just compounded my ignorance, and then um, I, I folded. And so I, I fell back into the only thing that I thought I could do, and I ended up becoming a corrections officer. And I even it, during this time, even went down into the recruiter station and uh, retook the ASFAB test and signed up. Uh, I was going to join the uh, join back up in, in the military. So we were signing paperwork and looking at waivers for age and all these other things because the time had lapsed enough where, you know, yada, 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 and I wanted to keep prank and all that. So I was actually in the process of signing the paperwork to go back in the military because I that's where I felt comfortable. That's where I felt secure. I knew my job. I knew what was expected of me. I knew how to succeed. Um, I knew how to train my guys. We were the best of the best, and I was proud of that. And when I left the military, I lost all of that, a sense of self, sense of belonging, sense of direction, uh, sense of know-how, 
I uh, felt very inept and I felt like I was failing my wife and my children. So, and, and that is a, a great example of first climbing the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs ladder and then descending and, and attempting to, uh, uh, to reestablish that. So let me, let me show you from a, a mental health standpoint um, just sort of the concept and, and many people are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy and, and I'm going to be using that. I'm going to be using, uh, Maslow's hierarchy. Um, it has been developed more. There are more levels to this, but I'm going to use the basic one that most people are familiar with. Um, you actually, Eddie, when you first came in, you jumped right over physiological needs. As soon as you stepped in basic training, they gave you food to eat. They gave you clothes to wear, and they gave you a blanket. It wasn't the best blanket. It was one of those screechy, scratchy green army, you know. Yes, but it was. they met your needs. Um, they met your physiological needs. They gave you a place, um, you know, to to sleep, and uh, and and you know, all of your biological needs were met. Then very quickly, in the military, your safety needs. You were like, oh, all I have to do is do what you tell me to do, and then you're going to go mess with somebody else. And so, those safety needs, even the psychological safety needs, but you're adapting to your environment. You ver learn very quickly. Your safety needs were met. Your belonging needs were met by your your brothers and 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 well, in my case, brothers and sisters. Been in combat arms. Your your fellow soldiers. Um, you started to uh, advance through the ranks. You felt good. You self esteem needs were there. You became confident in your um, uh, in your abilities. Uh, and then in certain levels, you reached uh, self-actualization because then you started to uh, uh, pass that information along and develop leaders underneath you and help them meet their physiological and safety. And so you worked your way up through Maslow's hierarchy of needs while you were in the military. Uh, I often said that I never had to worry about uh, food when I was in Afghanistan or, you know, bottles of water were always there. Um, and so those basic needs are really met for us. I was, we weren't homeless when we were in the military. No, you know, um, it, but the challenge is, especially in the military, is sometimes those needs are met for you so you can concentrate on, on more of the, the, the complicated tasks. When I was a first sergeant, if the power went out, I made a phone call and it came back on. You know, I didn't have to figure out how to um, call the power company or pay the power bill or did we pay the electricity? None of that was was an issue, right? You know, the internet went out. I called S six and it took them nine hours to get it back on, but it eventually came back on, <laughs> right? right? So those needs, we learn how those needs are met, uh, and we we learn to meet those needs in a certain way. Then we get out of the military, and those needs are no longer those the 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 way that we met those needs are no longer effective. And so we have to learn how to meet old needs in new ways. And that seems to be where you struggled is you didn't make it as high up on the, uh, the, the, the Maslow's ladder, for example, um, self-esteem needs started taking a hit. You were alone. You weren't with your buddies. The belonging needs, uh, weren't being satisfied. Uh, then as you went on my safety needs, my family's safety, as far as uh, housing and security, uh, and then, you know, even all the way down to, to are my physiological needs. I don't know how to do that. Uh, and so as you started to go back down the ladder, you, you went to revert back to something that you knew. I know how to, I'm going to go in a very structured environment like uh, um, corrections uh, because it's the same thing. They'll give me a uniform. I, I know what I have to do and, and I'm in this comfortable place. And so rather than meet your old needs in new ways, you met your old needs in old ways and tried to make it fit in civilian life. Um, and that's where I see a lot of uh, veterans challenged 
in learning how to meet old needs in new ways. Does that sound, yeah. does that resonate? Absolutely does. Yeah. And it's very accurate. And it's, it's, it's a way to take the real world, uh, experiences and feelings and emotions and breaking it down into a palatable, explainable, uh, a way for hopefully, I mean, I under everything you just said, I totally understand that now. Uh, I wish somebody had kind of pulled me aside back in 2006, seven, eight, nine, when I was going through all this and said, all right, here's what's going on and here's why. Because at least then I would know, oh, okay, because that's the thing, right? It's hard to fight an enemy you can't see, right? Uh, you know it's there. Uh, you know it's threatening. You know it could uh, ultimately end you. Uh, but it's hard to fight an enemy you can't see. And and I was f- literally fighting these enemies that I couldn't see, and I didn't know uh, how to find them, where to look for them, or what to do with them if I did find them. And that's, I think, having somebody like like you uh, and me now, uh, because I've moved up higher in the veteran hierarchy of needs to where uh, I recognize that now, and I can help people uh, that are further down in the veteran hierarchy of needs see those kinds of things. And that's where the self-actualization comes into as as far as, you know, um, Maslow had the idea that very few people actually became self-actualized. But if we're operating on the higher end of the, the pyramid, so to speak, um, then uh, transcendence and, and, and replication, uh, duplication uh, is, uh, is, is a key. And, and that's really once the lower needs are met, we can now focus on, hey, let me turn around uh, and help you up. And, and exactly what you were talking about before is the idea of this isn't something that's widely known. Again, people think veteran mental health, and, and this is the whole premise of the entire series here, that it's about PTSD and it's about TBI. Um, maybe it's about substance abuse. But this is not an aspect that, that many people think of that falls in the realm of veteran mental health, but it's all psychology, it's all outlook, and it's all generating awareness. And so that's the idea behind this is to, to generate awareness. And uh, for, for any mental health professionals uh, who are out there listening, one of the reasons why I have Eddie coming on the show is this is an, an untapped and unexplored aspect of veteran transition that we as researchers in the mental health field, we as clinicians, uh, can be um, uh, are are uniquely qualified to be able to address these problems. Uh, we have, uh, for example, um, a choice theory um, is is a type of uh, mental health intervention that that helps people understand how to meet their needs and and meet their needs and make the choices that meet their needs. Acceptance and commitment therapy, another one we talked about it yesterday with Dr. Joseph Courier. But it's also something that you apply here is how do I deliberately make these choices once I'm aware, like Eddie said, uh, and then make the choices I need uh, to meet my needs. So you kind of went up and down Maslow's hierarchy. What was the shift for you, Eddie? You said it was, what, seven, six, seven years after you got out. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I uh, you know, started my career as a corrections officer and realized that even though, uh, I, like you said, I, I felt... Uh, more secure because it was a structured environment. Uh, it was easy to know what was expected of me. Uh, the 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 career path in terms of promotion, advancement, and all that was all laid out for me. Uh, it was part of a union. Uh, I was in, I was new to a union, but union is very similar in terms of its its hierarchical structure within organizations that I'm kind of used to in the military. Um, but I realized that I was capable of more. 
and I wanted more for my life. I wanted more financial stability. I wanted uh, to explore other things in terms of my uh, skill sets. And I, and I decided um, to the, the only way I was going to be able to do that is through higher education. Uh, even though I was good at the physical aspect of owning a business, I failed miserably at the business side of the business. And I wanted to rectify that. I, it wasn't because I planned on going back into to lawn care and maintenance, but I wanted to at least give myself the option or the, uh, the, uh, the opportunity to do something in business if it ever presented itself. And so I, uh, I switched from second shift to first shift while I was a corrections officer so I could put myself through night school, take advantage of, um, of my GI Bill, which I did. And uh, basically, you know, was a full-time student and worked full-time and did all my homework in between and in the mornings before work and on the weekends. And it was extremely uh, challenging, but it was rewarding at the same time because I thrived in the military. I thrived in uh, an environment of high pressure. And, and, and so I found myself, I gave myself a, a, a goal, an objective to finish my bachelor's degree in, in business administration. And along the way, I started to go to these classes and, and started to learn not just academics, but I started to learn the ways that people view things in the civilian world. Um, I learned that through, you know, civilian students and through civilian um, professors and had an opportunity to link up with other veterans and kind of have some some collaboration there. And so, yes, I was learning academically, but I was also uh, in a different form of education, and that was social education. It was uh, civilian education, if you if you will. Um, and I really hate to to use these terms civilian and and veteran almost because it sounds like it's an us versus them kind of thing. And a lot of unfortunately, a lot of veterans um, and a lot of civilians, for that matter, do. Uh, see uh, veterans and civilians as an us versus them type of uh, dichotomy, and I just totally disagree with that. I just use the word civilian and veteran as a way, as a as a differentiator in terms of uh, levels of experience and expectations that that one may have. And so uh, through that education, and of course I'm a very hands-on learner. I learn through through app, you know, doing. I learn through you know doing things. I'm not a very very good book learner uh, uh, and, and never have been. So I, I learned by doing. And uh, unfortunately, I learned the best through my mistakes. And I make a lot of them uh, repeatedly. I try not to make the same ones over and over too many times, but uh, on occasion I do. But um, and so that through that education period, I started to grow um, and I started to build my self-confidence. I reached enough credits to be able to say, yeah, if I were to quit school right now, I I would have an associate's degree, right? I was very proud of that uh, that milestone, that accomplishment. And then I reached my um, the, the point where I finally graduated with my bachelor's degree, and I'm very proud of of that accomplishment. And I said uh, I wasn't done learning. I was just wasn't ready to stop learning. And my plan was never to go on to to graduate school. But by the time I finished my bachelor's degree, I said, why not? Why stop now? Why not keep going? And so I moved right into my uh, my graduate level studies um, and continued to learn and to grow. And it was uh, right around there when I, I started to realize that the experiences that, that, that I've gained along the way, um, both through trial and error and through my own mistakes, um, were beneficial to people that were coming up. 
through what I've just gone through. And so I started to look in the rearview mirror and say, how can I, because that's one of the things about me that I really found a value in. And I found a lot of um, self gratification um, and, and purpose was when I was in the military, I, I had a lot of pride in teaching my soldiers and I was very good at, as a teacher. I love to teach. I love to share my knowledge and experience and I love to help people become successful, whether it be through a promotion board or soldier of the month board or through uh, Devardi stakes or whatever, whatever it was. Uh, always, I'm very competitive and, and I want to be the best and I want my guys to be the best and I do that through education and I love that and so when I finally got to the point where I was able to look back and say I now have the skill sets and the knowledge and the experience uh, to be able to reach back and help the other veterans coming up um, navigate that civilian environment and be more successful earlier on than I was um, that was kind of the shifting point for me. Uh, it was the point where I think I've reached enough in that in the, the the hierarchy of needs to be able to feel comfortable in my own skin, uh, and to a point where I I felt uh, uh, that I could benefit somebody else and and kind of pull them through. And so again, in, in continuing on the theme of moving up and down of, of Maslow's hierarchy, once you got into a career that uh, that satisfied the, the financial stability enough, you know, you were, you were a corrections officer, so the safety needs, of course, the physiological needs were no longer a concern, but that wasn't satisfying your higher order needs of belonging and self-esteem. You kind of felt that that was something different, so you took another route uh, education, and that's when you started finding more belonging in um, in your post military life with those who hadn't served. Right, you you found yeah. more belonging, um, you found more self esteem, as you you said that I I felt good when I got my associates, I got my bachelors, and so the esteem started coming back when you learned how to meet those those old needs that you met in a military sense. Now you started to l meet them in the post military sense. And that's when you got to the point of self-actualization again and replication and turning back around. And so this is, uh, again, this is a perfect example of how, um, how just in one case study, so to speak, um, a veteran can come out and not meet their needs uh, on Maslow's hierarchy. And then after a certain period of time, adapt to that. For some veterans, it can be very quick. They adapt very quickly. Uh, for you, it was it was four to five years. For some veterans, to be honest, it's it's probably decades uh, before they can learn to to let go of the old way that I met my needs and transition into the new way. Uh, so, and, and even that that was great. And then you uh, came up with something, and, and I'd like to hear the story about this. But I'm going to link in our show notes back to episode 176. Um, where you and Justine, uh, Justine Evers had a conversation, uh, and, uh, and it, it remains one of my um, uh, top 10 episodes, I think. Uh, you're talking about a conceptualization of veterans' needs. You say you created it. Did you really? This was all you, 100%. No, yep. no Bennett. Yeah, I, no, 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 no Bennett. Uh, no well, Michael Penny. Well, uh, I created it, but it was through a collaboration with Bennett. And, and I'll, I'll, if you want, I can get into the story of kind of why we even felt the need to create this. Sure. Um, 
So it, it's a, it's and and thank you for for posting the link to this download on your show notes. I think it's it'll be beneficial to anybody that that um that's interested in this because I'm going to describe it and it may be difficult. If you're listening to this right now, I, I recommend going and downloading a copy of it. So as I'm describing it, it makes more sense to you. So I call it the veteran hierarchy of needs, and it and it very much follows uh, a very similar model to that of of the Ma- Mavlo- Maslow. Say it for me, Maslow. Maslow, thank you, sir. Oh my God, I just can't. Uh, it, it follows the uh, the model of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but in a different in a different sense. And, and the reason it was created it was because Bennett, uh, my co-host, and I, we were, you know, he's got a nonprofit organization called Warrior Hall. Uh, he also does another podcast, uh, and of course, he does uh, the Changer POV, and he works for the VA, and so he does, um, you know, work with uh, veterans. Uh, he does the uh, vocational rehabilitation. He, he at one point was part of the uh, um, the the, um, the um, suicide hotline at one point. So and he's been you know in this field for quite some time in the veteran space and, and for for a while. And so we, when we started Change Your POV Podcast Network, we knew our audience was veterans. We 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 just knew we knew that, um, but we were creating shows. And we were uh, wanting to help veterans, and we would ask people to, to reach out, and we want to help you, and if you're a veteran, reach out. you know. And we, we had this one term, it was veteran, right? And what we started to realize was the, the – because vet, you know, Bennett's working at the VA, and he's working with veterans, and I'm doing work in my college with student veterans – um, but they're both veterans, but the needs of those veterans were so vastly different. Right. The veterans that Bennett was working with had way different needs than the student veterans that I was working with had. Even though they were both veterans, we, we decided, okay, we have to – there's clearly different levels of a veteran. And so how do we – how do we create these levels of veterans and put them on some type of a of a of a flow chart where where we can kind of capture what needs a veteran has at which level in their in their in their life that they're in at the time and not, for for no other purpose than so Bennett and I had a framework by which we can have an intelligent conversation to talk about what is our target audience is our target audience the veteran that's trying to figure out how to get food stamps to feed their family? Or are we talking about the veteran that's uh, trying to uh, jockey for a position as a senior executive at a corporate firm, right? Both veterans, two very clearly different needs. And so we decided that we we really weren't serving either one of those because those are – uh, on two opposite ends of the spectrum. And so we decided we were uh, really serving the veterans somewhere in the middle. And so we came up with four basic buckets that, that veterans fall into, and we call them functional, basic, intermediate, and advanced. And within each of those buckets, uh, they have three different uh, groupings. One of them is needs, the other is objectives, and the third one is goals. And the way it works is if you start all the way on the far left of the veteran hierarchy of needs, you start with the functional veteran. And the functional veteran has far more needs than they have goals and objectives. And if you work your way to the far right into the advanced, 
we actually dropped off the needs, although I'm sure there are still needs. There will always still be needs there, but for the sake of this for this particular chart, so it wasn't you know uh, 16 pages long, we condensed it. So we actually dropped off the needs in the advanced bucket, but the, the it clearly has some. Uh, goals and objectives. So really briefly, without without reading everything verbatim, just to kind of give you a sense for what, what I'm talking about here, a functional veteran all the way to the left uh, in the veteran hierarchy of needs, they have needs like uh, the, the first the first need that, that comes to mind is the word help. And that can mean help in anything. They just need help. They need help with, you know, it's the tell me, show me, Walk me through. I need a step-by-step. They need discipline. They need accountability. They need direction. They need shelter. They need financial assistance. They need substance abuse treatment. They need rehabilitation. Then, right, those are all of the needs that they have. Um, and then it gets into the objective. So, a, a veteran in the functional bucket. Some of those objectives would be uh, more job experience, help with a resume or a CV. Uh, help to convert military experience into civilian terminology, uh, certificates of training, things like that. And then you move into goals. And goals may be higher education, sustained living, be a contributing member of society, and being part of something bigger than self. So those are some examples. So so in, in even to start there, and if we're overlapping this to, to Maslow's hierarchy, again, and in, in not trying to force the metaphor, but this is a veteran that even their safety and physiological needs are not being met. Right. Um, and so if a veteran who has, whose physiological needs, they're hungry, uh, they're not sheltered, um, and their safety needs, they're not in a safe environment, they don't have stability in housing or, or employment, they also have their belonging needs, self-esteem, so they need the entire pyramid. So a functional, uh, a veteran in your functional area needs their needs encompass all of Maslow's hierarchy, the entire pyramid. Correct. And then moving on with the basic veteran, that that um, uh, group of veterans, maybe they're in that place where you were at, where, okay, I've got my safety needs, i got my physiological needs met, but how do I advance to get my belonging needs and self-esteem needs and, and become a member of a group? Um, the intermediate has those those sort of higher uh, medium okay I got my self-esteem needs met but then I've not self-actualized and so is that sort of how it overlays how your concept overlays Maslow yeah absolutely yeah without you know we we turn it into more of a uh, a professional slash a developmental uh, hierarchy of needs as opposed to uh, just the structure of of you know shelter clothes clothes food um, but yeah, it's very similar, right? And so uh, this was a way for uh, for us to really understand when when we want when we're trying to help veterans, and that's the thing, right? We get so many nonprofit organizations out there that that serve veterans. But when you ask them what type of veteran do you serve, and they say, "Oh, we we serve all veterans," like like no, no, no. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there's any single uh, nonprofit organization that serves veterans serves all, across all of these uh, uh, buckets it's, of this hierarchy, right? It, it's called the VA. <laughs> Just saying, or purports to be. 
Um, yeah. Right. No one agency can do it all. I mean, and, and even the VA is overwhelmed. And and yes, yeah. but there's a, but 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 that's the kind of thing is that the Department of Veterans Affairs does have organization. Um, uh, like the Healthcare for Homeless Veterans program, the HUDVASH uh, uh, um, VA supportive housing vouchers to address that just as they have um, different levels of job education uh, as far as, like you said, Bennett's on voc rehab, uh, but they also have the compensated work therapy for those veterans who may be, um, you know, have some challenges when it comes to employment. And so, yes, if there is one agency that tries to do it all, it's the VA. Yeah. And and I think that's why it's important to understand if you are in the business of servicing veterans, it's important to understand what level of veteran are you servicing because the functional VA, right? The guys and the and I have need counseling as one of the needs in functional and and there's an argument to be made that that could technically be put in any bucket and and I sure. and I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, the reason why I have it in that in that group and not the others is because Bennett and I created us from the sense of if we were providing these services to these veterans, um, we agreed that neither one of us could or would or should try to service the veterans in the functional category because we don't have the training, the skill set, and the knowledge to help a veteran find shelter or to find financial assistance, or to provide counseling, or any type of uh, rehabilitation. Like, but uh, uh, what does our buddy Lockhead say? The more nodes that enter the network, the stronger right. the network gets. That's right. Well, and that's the reason why, That's I mean, to be honest, Dwayne, that's one of the big reasons why we brought you into the network, is because we knew we couldn't service uh, a, that level of veteran, uh, with with some of the with some of these topics and in particular veteran mental health. Now, Bennett is far more uh, uh, along on that path uh, of of you know being trained in that area than I am. But at the end of the day, it's it's about self actualization. It's about understanding what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. What is your wheelhouse? And my my wheelhouse was not not that I don't want those veterans to get help. I I do. I'm just not the right person for that. I just, I'm just not right. I, I, my skill sets and experience are more towards the basic and intermediate, um, veterans, guys that are looking for a mentor and for a coach, looking for networking skills, building their LinkedIn profile. Let's face it. If you are staying in an unemployment line, trying to find a job to feed your family, the last thing you're thinking about is your LinkedIn profile, right? right? Mm -hmm. Chances are right. Um, and, and that's the thing and that, but though, you know, building your resume and how to articulate and craft and, and, and convert your military experience into civilian terminology. Yes, that's a skill that I believe every veteran should have, but it depends on where you are on this veteran hierarchy of needs in terms of, you know, you, you've got to meet your basic needs first. You know, if you're starving, you, you're not thinking about when you're going to buy your Lamborghini, or, but even where yeah it, 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 there is that but also you're not even thinking about effective networking right um you know you don't have the the confidence or even the self-esteem to do that uh this is something in in um uh is is some of the listeners might or might not know before i started working as a mental health counselor i was working uh at a a program that housed homeless veterans um and i almost and very deliberately i modeled networking for them 
uh, in that they came in uh, and, and we sat down and we started doing stuff. And I said, okay, tomorrow I'm going to call or uh, tomorrow you're going to go see Jim uh, up at the workforce center and he's going to sit down and he's going to going to do some stuff with you. So I would pick up the phone. I said, hey, Jim, I got a new guy coming in the, the Crawford house. Um, when do you have an appointment? Okay. Yeah. You know, this time. Uh, and so that veteran saw me call Jim and say, Hey, Jim's going to be expecting you. Then when he got to Jim, Jim's like, yeah, Dwayne said you were going to come. And that's modeling networking for yeah. guys that, that, you know, were just struggling to find housing. Um, you know, in, and even that meeting the needs of networking, um, we networked when we were in the military, we just didn't call it networking. Mm-hmm. I bet you know who the, you knew who the cooks were and who your mechanic was and who handled your mail and the S1 clerk. You knew everybody so that when you went into some place you could get what you need done. You knew somebody over a main post, you everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you networked when you're in the military, but you never called it networking. And so now it's sort of like uh, ninja business cards, you know, and and no, it's not like that. And so it's, it's building and that's exactly it is. If you're looking for housing, if you're looking for work, you're not thinking of the finer uh, details of networking. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's where this, this kind of grew out of, and it's been very beneficial to, and, and Bennett and I often, even to this day, uh, reference this veteran hierarchy of needs, and, and we and we call them, um, we give them tier levels. So you got tier one through tier five. Now we got we've got five levels now instead of four, um, and we call you know the tier one veteran versus the tier five veteran. And there's nothing, and and we don't, and again, none of this is meant in a derogatory way. It's just a framework by which we can have the conversation. So when we're talking about, um, you know, what 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 is the next show we want to bring on to the, to the podcast network? What is that topic and what um, tier of a veteran would it serve? Right. We can have that conversation intelligently because we're now able to, to talk apples to apples. And not only that, but we're able to also clearly help the right people. Um, so when somebody gets a hold of me and says, you know, I don't, I can't tell you how many emails or direct messages I get on, on social media. And it'll be people like, you know, hey, I, I I know somebody that lives near you, and you know they they were you know they were kicked kicked out of the military un, unjustly, and you know they're they're financially strapped and they're being sued. Um, can you help them? I'm like, no, I I I can't um, because I, I have no. I mean, even my network is limited when it comes to something like that. But but I can try my best to maybe help provide some resource or some uh, some direction somehow. But that's really my limitation uh, in in terms of of that assistance. But if somebody calls me up and says, "Hey, I'm a veteran." And, I, and I'm, I'm interested in creating a career management document or converting my military experience or writing a resume or doing a mock interview um, or learning how to speak uh, in, in public or put together a PowerPoint presentation or, you know, any of those things, any of those skill sets that are, are valuable in the, in the corporate environment or even in the entrepreneurial space, I can help with that. Because I'm I'm skilled in that I'm, I have experience in that, and that's something that I can can then help with. And so we use the <clears throat> excuse me we use the veteran hierarchy of needs as a as a framework to to be able to help that. Not only that, but we have a lot of nonprofit organizations that reach out to us on occasion and say, you know, uh, we would like to partner with you in some of these things. And and we really have to pick and choose 
you know, do we want to partner with these or, do, or don't we? And it isn't that we don't want to partner with everybody, but I mean, is it is it congruent with our message and with what we're trying to do? And staying focused, we got to stay focused because there's plenty of organizations out there that do service each of these uh, buckets of veterans. And not only that, but I think it's an educational piece. I think if we stop saying the word veteran and thinking that all veterans are created equally, um, they're not. I, I worked at a, an aerospace or defense contracting company, and I helped them create a uh, warrior integration program, a WIP program, we called it. It's very similar to like a leadership development uh, program in most corporate organizations, but it was uh, designed and structured around veterans. And I was asked to come on that board and that on that committee as a veteran myself um, to kind of – and they were recruiting right out of Walter Reed. So they wanted to hire wounded warriors – um, and to come into this program. Okay, fine. And so uh, one of the very first things, one of the very first misnomers that we had to overcome was the fact that all veterans are not created equal. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Uh, I hear, you know, this is the thing that they're telling. Veterans are punctual. Veterans, uh, you can rely on them. Veterans always show up to work on time. Veterans always, uh, you know, have attention to detail. Vet- I'm like, stop, stop, stop. I said, first of all, uh, what we're t- we're not talking about veterans. We're talking about people, and all people are 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 flawed in their own ways. And to group all of those people, wounded or otherwise, into these uh, into these groupings because they just so happen to wear a uniform, uh, I'm just like you're going to be sorely disappointed when your veteran doesn't show up to work on time. There's <laughs> a yeah, it's a failure of expectation, and, and right, I like absolutely. how you said that this is this is an awareness tool. Yeah, uh, and I can see it as an awareness tool for those who are supporting veterans and those in the veterans themselves. Uh, I could, uh, if I were looking at this, say, okay, are, are all of my needs met in the uh, uh, the the tier one, the functional tier? Yeah, okay, no, I, I I'm, maybe I don't need that, and then now I move. Up. Okay, maybe I do need the basic tier. So now I know where I'm at. I know yeah. where my needs are, but also if. You know, if if you're trying to teach Russian to somebody who can barely read, then you're going to be missing each other. So if an organization is trying to satisfy the intermediate, the the needs of what you have here as uh, uh, tier three veterans in the intermediate zone, um, but that veteran needs help in the functional area, both the person providing the service is going to be frustrated because they can't satisfy their goals of supporting the veteran, and the veteran is going to be frustrated uh, because uh, their needs are not being met. Right. Absolutely right. And not only that, but like when I coach, uh, I'm also a mentor on Veterati. You can There's a l- nice little plug for them as well. You can put a link in there uh, for Veterati. So when I talk to people on Veterati, and and I ask them, you know, you know, what do you want to talk about, or what are your your aspirations, what are your goals? And they say and they say things like, well, I want to be a, I want to be a corporate. Uh, here's a, a big popular one. Everyone wants to be a corporate uh, uh, um, consultant, right? A corporate, um, what do you call those people? They go in and uh, consult, basically, like a business a, consultant, a, a, a business consultant, right? Bain Capital and yeah, and all yeah, these. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and, I hear they so, make great money. Yeah, so they want to be a consultant or they want to author a book or they want to be a speaker or an instructor or they want to attend or run conferences or they want to build an online training course. All those things I've just listed in the advanced column of the veteran of hierarchy of needs, right? So so, so they're talking about wanting to do that. And I can say, okay, well, have you, you know, what type of networking skills do you have? 
what type of you know and i start naming off things within the basic and in in intermediate and they're like oh well i don't i don't have that i haven't thought about self branding or i don't have a network or i don't have um you know any of that experience it's like okay there's nothing wrong with having those advanced goals and aspirations but you got to backpedal a little bit and really be honest with yourself and again the veteran hire if you're to take this veteran hierarchy of needs as a tool to evaluate yourself it does require a level of of brutal honesty it really does to look at this and say where do i fall on this veteran hierarchy of needs and you may want to be in advanced but you may come up and realize you're actually in the basic or in the intermediate and and that's a good point in that not all veterans created equal this isn't rank specific no. Um, a, a, a command sergeant major or command master chief could be in the functional area. Absolutely. Um, can be in, you know, and, and a PFC or, or a sergeant E5 um, can be in the advanced area, depending on where they at and how long they are after their career. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not going to name his names out of, out of, you know, extreme respect, but I was talking to a retiring uh, command sergeant major here on Fort Carson um, and, and wanted, of course, talk to him about veteran mental health. And so I went to connect with him on LinkedIn. Um, no picture, blank profile. When, and he was four, six months out from retirement. Um, mm-hmm. One, one, uh, one job description, the one he was currently in, that was yeah. it. And like 14 connections. Yeah. And, and he was six months out. Um, you know, and, and obviously he, you know, whatever the situation was, but he, he, you know, that level of connectedness, preparedness wasn't there. Uh, and, and he was an E9. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the last, um, to, to kind of even drive that point home, uh, the last networking event that I attended, I, I gave a workshop prior to the network event to some, uh, student veterans. And, and then we immediately went into, uh, the, the workshop that I gave was how to successfully network. Uh, and then we moved into the networking event where there was representatives of uh, alum of the co- of the university, uh, but were also um, established in their uh, local communities and and uh, uh, and companies around. And and so the student veterans had this workshop, and then they moved right into this networking event. And I'm sitting; it was a dinner, and I'm sitting at the table, and some guy sitting next to me he was part of the workshop so he was a student veteran uh he was in there to network and he just started picking my brain you know and you know work because he was he he had many many job interviews and it was was never asked back for a second round of interviews was never extended an offer and he had no idea why and uh and we started talking about the different you know how did he submit his resume what type of things did he have on his resume and we just kind of started to have a conversation we talked about his linkedin profile all of those things uh networking how, what he what he does to network and uh i realized that he was even, even though he was very ambitious he was on the wrong path on many of those endeavors and uh, i asked him i say if you don't mind me asking you know, what's your, what's your military experience? And he says, well, I, I retired out of the army after 22 years, I was a Lieutenant Colonel. So you got this, you know, and I'm sure the frustration that he's feeling is probably enormous because as a Lieutenant Colonel in the United States army after 22 years, a high level of responsibility, uh, and, and probably respect and, and everything right at that level and then get out and feel so helpless and so, 
ill-equipped to uh, to navigate these shark-infested waters and not even have a clue as to uh, how what to do to get out of that situation or make it better for yourself. And here I am, you know, a staff sergeant, but the only difference between me and him is, you know, 12 years of being out of the military and, and living and, and through these experiences and failures of my own, recognizing them and seeking help and seeking mentorship and, and my, my growth and my progression and all of that and working on that to the point where now it really has nothing to do with the rank that you had when you left the military. It really has to do with what value you have to those uh, that are seeking help and, and the pain points that they're experiencing. So I was able to provide this lieutenant colonel of 22 years a hell of a lot of uh, knowledge and and help, and he was able to quickly thereafter uh, kind of restructure the way he went about things and his resume, and was able to land a job. Um, and, albeit it was an as an individual contributor role, which was very frustrating uh, for me when I got out and I and I worked in corporate to be an individual contributor, but uh, equally so as a a battalion commander and things like that as, as a lieutenant colonel, he uh, you know, had to move into an individual contributor role. Uh, but he realized that that was kind of the sacrifice that you make getting out of the military and taking that uniform off is sometimes you've got to move backwards in order to move forwards. So, and again, uh, yet another great example of how when a veteran leaves the service, if their needs are not met, if they don't know how to meet their needs, um, then that can lead to frustration. Now consider if that uh, lieutenant colonel um, had some of the other challenges that we've been talking about or we'll, we'll talk about um, here uh, coming up, uh, such as uh, a disrupted family system. You know, you got out, you remained married, um, you, you had support from your family, um, or he was struggling with moral injury, or there was uh, emotional dysregulation, um, you know, substance abuse, even PTSD and TBI. If, if there were more, the more of these factors that are involved, the more frustration there's get the less chance that the needs are going to be met. Mm-hmm. And so if, if only when someone is working with a veteran, if only the thing that they're dealing with is frustration, it's easily met. Let me show you how to do it. It's, you know, see, you know, teach, see, do, uh, and, and then, okay, I got it. I can hit the ground running and I can move forward. And so just as your, um, a veterans hierarchy and needs can be used in in sort of needs fulfillment is really what I'm trying to do with the conceptualization of veteran mental health overall is where is the need where is the challenge that I am most experiencing you know maybe all of my needs are met maybe um, the the veteran is uh, medically retired um, gets VA disability gets uh, military retirement and gets SSDI they really don't need to work they don't really need to you know uh, do these things, networking and things like that. But yet there's other challenges, lack of purpose and meaning. Maybe there's PTSD, maybe there's emotional rate, all these other things. And so similar to your hierarchy of needs is what I'm trying to use with the, uh, the conceptualization. So good on you, man. Good job. Well, thank you, sir. Absolutely. Any, uh, any last thoughts, um, about, uh, veterans and needs fulfillment when it comes to veteran mental health? Now, I think the biggest thing, and, and, it's, and it's something that you continue to teach me every single week when, you're, when your show releases and I listen uh, to Headspace and Timing, is um, always be in, in – accept that you don't know everything and put your 
you know, check your ego at the door and be willing to be challenged, I think is the biggest. I think that's why I've been able to grow uh, and expand both in, in my education and my experience and my opportunities is because I have I wasn't always good at that. Um, I believed what I believed because I believed it and I couldn't explain why, but I, I believe it. So there you go. And I was very, uh, I saw things from my own foxhole and thought the entire battlefield happened from my perspective. How very, and, how very NCO of you, Eddie. I know, I know. And it wasn't until somebody reached down, pull, grabbed my hand and pulled me out of that foxhole and said, let me show you what's happening on the rest of the battlefield from different perspectives. And, um, and you have to be, you have to come at it from a very, uh, curious state of mind and always ask the question, what else could that mean? Um, and keeping that open mind and asking that question and listen with the intent of being influenced or listen with the intent of having your opinions changed. Uh, I think that's a skill set that's not only, imperative to success but i think it's a skill set that is profoundly lost on this nation particularly nowadays um because everything seems to be so polarized and opinionated uh, and if you've got a differing opinion you're wrong and i just i just think that uh, in order to find true growth true happiness and true success you have to be willing to be wrong accept it and understand that there's things that you don't know uh, you have to be willing to uh to listen to the other side Listen to be influenced, not listen to influence. I, I yes. like that. Very nice. So uh, typically I end with uh, the guests sharing about uh, where they can be found, maybe on social media or on. Uh, and so uh, go ahead, you know, just uh, start rattling it off. I think we got another 45 well, minutes. Yeah. So I'm not going to rattle that because I'm going to teach everybody here a lesson. Uh, and, and that is one of the things that I talk about is how important it is to, to brand yourself, to self-brand yourself. And a lot of people think, especially those getting out of the military, or right fresh out of the military, um, they, they see uh, self-branding as a way of, of bolstering oneself or, uh, um, or uh, what's the word, putting yourself on a pedestal or, try, or bragging or whatever. Because that, that mentality and that, that behavior is frowned upon in the military. Uh, everyone works together as a team. There's no I in team, all that good stuff, right? So you get out of the military and now all of a sudden, you know, learning to, to, to brand yourself. And really, branding yourself is really all about um, you have a presence on the internet, whether you want to or not. Uh, there's things about you that are available to everybody if they know how to search and, and, and look it up. Um, the question is, are you presenting the self that you want to present or or are you just pre being presented the way other people see you? And so that's one of the things that I teach, and that is self-branding and controlling your your brand. And, and I can demonstrate that by instead of rattling off all of the social media handles that I have to find me, all you have to do is go to Google and type in my name, Eddie Lazary. That's it. That's all you have to do. And you type in my name, you will see uh, all the ways that you can connect with me, all the way from Twitter to LinkedIn to Facebook to the website to the podcast, and the list goes on and on and on. And you can even then click over to pictures and see tons of pictures of me uh, because I've done a very good job of branding myself and conveying the message that I want to convey about who I am as a person, what I stand for, and the message that I want to convey. Um, so, so there you go. So if you want to know how to do that, 
Um, it's about it's about learning and 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 being humble enough uh, to be able to do things that people recommend. Like I can't tell you how many times, Dwayne, I've got guys, uh, buddies of mine that are still in the military, high ranking, command sergeant majors, majors, lieutenant colonels, guys I served with, and and I look and there's no LinkedIn profile, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're gonna get out of the military someday. Everybody gets out someday. You take off that uniform for the last time, some point in your life, you got to do something. Uh, and you know, you don't, you've got no way to really to network and to kind of, uh, uh, display who you are as a person and to really uh, step out into that branding, self branding position. And a lot of guys, unfortunately, when they're still in, they, they say, Oh, I don't need that because they don't, they don't need it while they're in. Uh, and, uh, and it doesn't, doesn't, uh, take too long before they're out in the military before they call me up and say, Hey, can I take you up in your offer now? I realize I need it. And, uh, and, and I help them, but sometimes it's like, damn, man, you're like six, six months behind the power curve here. Well, I, I like that, uh, the, the little, um, practical exercise. I actually just tried to look you up in as many different ways I could spell your name incorrectly. And yeah, it still okay. showed up with you on all of them, <laughs> on all of them, uh, except for Lazaro. Uh, although that Lazaro <laughs> is not a, a typical misspelling, but pretty much any way I've tried to misspell Eddie Lazary with Y's and I's and A's in the wrong places, it still shows up as you. So, good job yeah. there, hero. Good job. There you go. All right. There you got it. Yep. So, thank you uh, for joining us uh, on uh, on this episode of Headspace and Timing, and we'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Yeah, man, I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Yep. There was an episode with Eddie Lazary of the Change Your POV Podcast Network talking about needs fulfillment and veteran mental health. You can find the show notes on this show and many of the things we talked about either changeyourpov.com or veteranmentalhealth.com. Looking for episode HST034. This is the 10th episode of the Veteran Mental Health Boot Camp, a series brought to you by the Change Your POV Podcast Network and the Headspace and Timing Podcast. If you're a veteran or service member, the family member of one, or support veterans in any way, then this series is designed to help you understand more about veteran mental health. If you're just now getting into the series, go back and check out episode HST025, where we introduce the concept of looking beyond PTSD and TBI in regards to veteran mental health. Make sure you subscribe to the Change Your POV Podcast Network on your podcast player of choice and sign up for updates at changeyourpov.com and veteranmentalhealth.com. We would love to hear your feedback regarding this series and all of the shows in the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You can do so by visiting our Facebook group, leaving a comment, or review on iTunes. Remember, veteran mental health and wellness is the basis of a successful post-military life and one that all who answered our nation's call to serve deserves. Remember, brothers and sisters, you're not alone, ever. That's what I say. Oh, work, work.
Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.